Good morning, everyone. Good to see you today, and we're continuing in our series in Genesis. And last week, we said that the Bible is not a history textbook. It's not a science textbook. It does not have all the answers to all the questions you ever had about God, about this world, about how we got here. The Bible is all about our relationship with God. Now, when I was in Bible school, I got a series of books. Uh, it was actually 11 volumes by Will Durant, and it was called The uh, History of the World. And in that book, over 11 volumes, he was just touching on some of the things that happened in the course of, of recorded human history. 11 volumes. And that only goes up to the era of Napoleon. So it only goes as far as 1821. And in that... 11 volumes, uh, series of books on the history of the world. There's nothing uh, much about science. There's nothing about zoology, the origins of animals and where they came from and the species. There's nothing about botany. The Bible is not a history book. It's not a textbook. It's not a science textbook. It's all about God's relationship to us, our relationship to him, and how to have a good relationship with one another. So as we go through the book of Genesis through the course of the summer months, our prayer, our desire, is that you begin to understand what God began back in the Garden of Eden, that you begin to understand what it is that God wants to do in us and through us that you begin to understand the kind of relationship he wants us to have with him and the relationship that he wants us to have with one another. So today we're talking about the seventh day. The seventh day is a day called the Sabbath. And I'd like us to take a look at this verse, these two verses, Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 to 3. And here's what it says. On the Sabbath day, God had finished his work of creation, So he rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Now, how many understand that God is God and he doesn't really need a rest? It's not like he got to the end of the six days of creation and said, I'm worn out, i got to rest. That's not who God is. But we, we, we celebrate this day as a day when God did not create anything. As a day when everything was restful. It was a time to connect with God, a time to fellowship with God. Now, there's so many questions around the Sabbath. Um, There's a movement, and it it, it rears its head every, I don't know, five to ten years. People get this idea that they've got to worship God according to the Old Testament way, and they've got to reinstitute Jewish laws, and you know, they've got to do it the way they did it in the Old Testament. Okay, so we're going, to, we're going to deal with that today and help you understand what this Sabbath is, and we're going to ask the question and answer it, does God expect us to still keep the Sabbath? And by the way, the Sabbath in the Old Testament is a Saturday. It's not a Sunday. We'll, we'll talk about how things change in that regard and why we celebrate Sunday. There's a, there, there are all kinds of religious groups, by the way, that, that say that we must continue to worship God on the Sabbath. There's one very well-known group. It's called the Seventh-day Adventists. Anybody ever hear of them? 
And the Seventh-day Adventists say that you really can't be a Christian if you don't worship God on Saturday. Here's what they say. They say that in the last days, in the very last days, Sunday worship will be the mark of the beast. Isn't that crazy? So we're all in big trouble here, right? Or there's some light that's, that's needed. We need some light to be shed on this subject. Now, here's what you need to understand. If you really want to take seriously the study of Scripture, you can't just pluck out bits and pieces and say, well, I'm going to observe this but not observe that. Because if you go back into the Old Testament, you'll discover that the Bible doesn't just talk about one day in seven as being a Sabbath. No. If you're going to start observing the Sabbath according to the Old Testament tradition, well, then you're going to have to also look at the other binding laws of the Old Testament. You're going to have to understand that we would also have to enforce the, uh, the seventh-year Sabbath of rest for the land, where you don't... The Bible actually says this. After seven years, the land must have a rest, must have a Sabbath rest, so nobody does any farming for a year. And then furthermore... There's a 50th year Sabbath when prisoners are freed and debts are canceled. And everybody said, hallelujah. (laughs) I'm for that, (laughs) pastor. We could just go back to that. Um, But we don't. There's a new way. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk to you about the progression of, of the Sabbath, where it begins and where it ends up today in the year 2014. So first of all, we recognize that the seventh day, it was always a reminder that God is our creator. So after six days of creating, the seventh day is a day of rest. It's a day of reflection, a day to acknowledge God, our creator, and all that he's done. Uh, it's, a, it's a holy day. And by the way, the word holy simply means to be set apart for God. That's what, that's what holy means, to be set apart for God. And so, by the way, can I just say this? Those of us who have gotten the habit of using holy in an unholy way, you might want to reconsider using holy before the word C-R-A-P and other words. You get my, you get my drift. To, to use the word holy is to speak about something that is holy, that reflects God, something that belongs to God. Now, I'm going to say this. If you read through Genesis, you'll discover that none of the patriarchs are recorded as celebrating the Sabbath day. Interesting, isn't it? It was known that this was the day that belonged to God, but we don't see them fulfilling any sort of ceremonial fulfillment of that day. It's not till we get to Moses. So, let me just begin then by saying this. The first... Acknowledgement of the Sabbath day is an acknowledgement of God the Creator. It memorializes God the Creator. But then we get to Moses. He gives us the Ten Commandments. And look what it says here in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 10. And I've, um, I've abridged it a little bit just so they get the point. You can look this up yourself later. But it says this, remember the Sabbath This is the fourth commandment, remember? Remember, this, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The seventh day uh, is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. Uh, Did I say fourth? It's the third commandment. Why now does Moses 
after coming down the mountain and getting the commandments from God, why is this part of the Ten Commandments? Why is this important? I'll tell you why. Because mankind, and, and we all know this from personal experience, is on this downward spiral. Everybody know what I'm talking about? We get worse before we get better. Would you agree with that? And we've seen that in our, in our society. We see it in our culture. We've seen it throughout history. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to understand or recognize that. We're always on this downward declension. So God says this to his people. Remember, Israel, the, the people of Israel are God's chosen people. They belong to him. And it was through the people of Israel that God would demonstrate and reveal himself to the world. That was the point of God having his own people. And the very first thing that God does for the world through his people is he gives us the Ten Commandments. And one of these commandments is, in fact, remember the Sabbath. Remember that seventh day by keeping it holy. No one is supposed to work during this time. Everyone is supposed to keep this day dedicated to the Lord. What happens on this day is we reflect now get this, it's really important. It's a, day we, it's a day on which we reflect and realize that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Did you get that? That's what this day is about. It's a day when we reflect on our sinfulness and our desperate need of a Savior. Who will rescue us from our sinfulness? God will. And so we fast forward a few years. Now, just before we fast forward a few years, let me just say this. There are many still in the world today that observe the Sabbath, the eighth or the seventh day. Um, I was in Israel several times. And one of the things that you find on the Sabbath day is that the elevator suddenly kicks into Shabbat mode, which means this, is that when you get on the elevator, it stops at every floor, and you don't have to push any buttons. You get on the elevator, and, it's, and so if you're on the 20th floor, you got a long day ahead of you. <laughs> it's, because it literally stops at every floor. And on the way up, it does exactly the same thing. Why is that? Well, because according to Jewish law, is if you push that button in the elevator, it creates a spark, which is the same thing as making a fire. And making a fire by Jewish law is work. And you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. I can, I can keep you here all morning and tell you all the laws that are associated with this, and you would be absolutely dumbfounded. There's all kinds of rules about how to dress, how not to dress. Uh, Gloria and I, some of you know, we're just away on uh, our 25th anniversary celebration. We're flying back home, and behind us was a young Jewish couple. And then over in the other section, there's another Jewish couple, and they're you know, just talking to each other in Yiddish over the heads of everybody. Um, big, you know, big black hat. He's got ringlets at the side of his of his temples. That's that's the law. And she's got. She looks like Aunt Jemima, you know, with the thing on her head. And the other girl does. And I said to Gloria, "Isn't it sad that these people still believe that the only way that they can find or win God's favor is through their works and a multitude?" Of works. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Folks, understand this today. You can never win 
your salvation by your works. Did you know that? You can never be good enough. So what do we do with the Sabbath then? The Old Testament tells us that we celebrate, memorialize the seventh day as a day to remember that God is our creator. The Old Testament tells us that the Sabbath day is a reminder that we are sinners in need of a savior. And then we come to the New Testament. Now, before I talk about this, I'm gonna talk about my grandparents. Old-time Pentecostals, and in fact, I think many of you maybe, maybe experienced this growing up, but as old-time Pentecostals uh, who really believed that the Sabbath was a holy day and you were not allowed to play on that day, you are not allowed to do any sin on that day. The only sin that was really acceptable on the Sabbath day uh, would be um, overeating. <laughs> That's the only thing you're allowed to do. You know, you, 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 couldn't, you couldn't go outside and play. Uh, you, you couldn't go do the things you would enjoy doing outdoors. Uh, you, couldn't, you, couldn't, you, know, you couldn't do a hobby, but you could sit and eat all day. So gluttony was okay. <laughs> Uh, and so, consequently, I didn't really like going to my grandparents' place on Sunday because it would mean that, you know, you eat your dinner, then you sit on the front porch and watch all the kids play outside <laughs> because we were Christians. I've got good news for you today. In Colossians 2, 16 and 17, let's take a look at this. It says this, So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy do- days or new moon ceremonies or... Oh, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ, read that with me, and Christ himself is that reality. So here's what we discover, folks. We discover that Jesus Christ himself is a fulfillment of the Sabbath. You say, Pastor, what on earth are you talking about? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. You see, each and every one of us knows has experienced the heavy burden of sin. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what guilt is. You know what shame is. You know what it is to feel that lack of peace in your heart, that lack of rest because of the sin that threatens to paralyze you. And you know what it is to never feel that peace. Not until Jesus Christ came into your life. And this is what the book of Hebrews is talking about when it talks about a a Sabbath rest for God's people. It means that we find our rest not just in stopping what we do all week in terms of our work, but it means that we find an internal rest. We find a rest through Jesus Christ. So here's what we discover in the New Testament. The Sabbath, are you ready for this? It's going to blow some of you away. In the New Testament, the Sabbath is gone. All nine of the commandments, except this one, are, are spoken of and are affirmed and reaffirmed in the New Testament, but the Sabbath is not. You say, well, pastor, then what is? Well, you're going to hear about that in just a moment, but let me say this to you. The New Testament, or the New Covenant as we call it, has a new day. And we call it the Lord's Day. This is this Lord's Day that replaces the Sabbath 
It's a day that recognizes that Jesus Christ is our Savior. And where is the Old Testament commandment given by Moses that reminds us that we need a Savior? The New Testament says that Jesus Christ is the Savior. He is a fulfillment of it. In fact, Psalm 118, Psalm 118, and I recommend that you read this later, it speaks prophetically of Jesus Christ coming and, in fact, establishing a new day. Look what it says there in verse 24, Psalm 118. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Wow. So let's talk about this new day. Look what it says here in Revelation 1.10. John, the Apostle John, he's the one that wrote the Revelation. He begins the Revelation by saying, it was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the Spirit. So as early as then, the church began a brand new practice. They began to worship God on the first day of the week rather than the last day of the week. Why is this? Where did that come from? Well, let me read to you some scripture. Matthew 28, it says this. It says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Remember, Jesus had just been buried, and uh, he'd been in the, in the tomb, remember Friday, and then all day Saturday, then Sunday morning they came. They came to the tomb, and then suddenly, the Bible says, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow, and the guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Interesting. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come where the body was lying and see. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. And so the Bible says the women ran quickly from the tomb and they were very frightened but also filled with great joy and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. Now listen to this. And they went, and as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him and grasped his feet. Now listen to this. And they worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Folks, we experienced the very first worship service, the very first Christian worship service here in verse 9. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him and grasped his feet and worshipped him. Folks, that is why we celebrate what we now call the Lord's Day. Now, in some of your Bibles, you might not read in verse 1 of Matthew 28, early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning. Here's what it says in the Greek. It says, after the Sabbath... On the first day of the week. The evangelist, Matthew, as he's writing this, is telling us 
of something brand new in the life of those who would follow God. He's speaking to them of a brand new celebration. Now here's the thing. Rather than celebrating just the creation and rather than celebrating just our need for a Savior, now we celebrate the fact that we have a Savior and he was resurrected from the dead. Now can I just tell everybody here right now, and you've got to get this, The Apostle Paul makes it very clear that if there's no resurrection, there's no Christian faith. You may as well all go home. You're wasting your time, and we'll give you your tithes back after the service. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is, is Jesus rose from the dead. And the Bible tells us clearly that there were many witnesses to this effect. This is the day we celebrate. Now, if it makes sense to memorialize a day that, that, that celebrates the creation of the world, and if it makes sense that we memorialize a day that celebrates the giving of the law and the need of a Savior, then it makes sense that we would memorialize a day that celebrates the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's why this day is so important. And for 2,000 years, Christians around the world have faithfully gathered every Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Can I ask you the question today, are you rejoicing and are you glad in this day? Or did you wake up this morning and think, oh, no, it's Sunday, i got to go to church. (laughs) Did you wake up this morning and think, oh, well, I'll drag my sorry butt to church and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do what I gotta do. Folks, listen. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is a day created for us. And this is precisely what Jesus said to those Pharisees who condemned him and judged him for healing people on the Sabbath. It's true, it happened. These zealous Jewish leaders, they accused Jesus of breaking the law because he healed somebody on the Sabbath day. In fact, not only did Jesus heal somebody on the Sabbath, this poor guy sitting on a mat all these years, Jesus heals him, and then Jesus says this, what can I do to annoy these Pharisees further? I know. Pick up your mat and carry it. Because carrying something on the Sabbath is against the law. That's right. You could not even carry a mat. You couldn't carry a purse, ladies. You'd have to make sure you got your makeup on right at home. Because there'd be no fixing it up when you got to church. Sorry. So Jesus heals this poor guy, and then he says, Pick up your mat. Share it with you. Watch what these guys do. Oh, they're mad at him. They're so mad. And here's what Jesus says to them. You dummies. No, he didn't say that. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That's what it says in Mark 2, 27, 28. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So, folks, we don't celebrate Saturday as a day that looks forward to the coming of a Savior. We celebrate Sunday 
the day that celebrates the resurrection of our Savior. And because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, folks, he has conquered death and he's conquered sin and he has guaranteed you and me eternal life. Someone say hallelujah. It means that sin no longer, get this, sin no longer has the victory. It means that you are more than a conqueror. Why? Because we are in Christ Jesus. And you're more than a conqueror because you're in Christ Jesus. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It means that you are born again. And the Bible says that we, we died with him at the cross and we were resurrected with him. This is why we come to church every Sunday to celebrate what Jesus Christ has done in us and is doing in us. How many know that Jesus is not finished with me yet? Well, same to you. (laughs) And he's not finished with you either. That's what this Sunday is all about. This is why I included in the seven habits, number two, go to church every week. Why? It's a place to come and remember Jesus Christ. It's putting first this this high priority, this highest priority, the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that as a Christian, this is your highest priority, to worship God? That's why this day is holy. Sunday has been separated unto God. It belongs to God, and it's a day where we stop whatever we're doing through the course of the week, and we say, hey, today we're going to enjoy communion. We're going to enjoy fellowship with Almighty God. Ignatius of Antioch, this is in the first century now. This is right on the heels of Christ's ascension into heaven. Here's what he says. He says, those who followed ancient customs, the Jews... By the way, I'm not, I'm not anti-Semitic, so don't anybody go from here and say, Pastor Allen doesn't like the Jews. Don't you dare say that. That is, that is not true. But Ignatius of Antioch says, those who followed ancient customs, the Jews, have come to a new hope. They've come to a new hope. No longer celebrating the Sabbath, but observing the Lord's day the day in which our life sprang up through Christ. Isn't that fantastic? I'm going to actually put that on my wall. This day, this day of hope. Here's what John Maxwell says about hope. He says, those who have hope have power. Those who have no hope have no power. Those who have hope, let me give you an illustration. Those who have hope that, that their marriage will improve and get better, they now are empowered to work on their marriage. But if someone comes to me and says, Pastor, we'll, I'll have counseling, but I have, frankly, I have no hope that it's going to work. It's a waste of time. Guess what? It's a waste of time. It's not going anywhere. If a student has got to write exams and says, well, there's no point in me writing those exams because I'm going to fail them anywhere, guess what's going to happen? He's going to fail them anyway because he has no hope. But listen to me, folks. As followers of Jesus Christ, we serve a risen Savior. And because of that, we have hope. And because we have hope, we are empowered 
to live a life of victory. We are more than conquerors through Christ. Why? Because of the fact that Jesus Christ conquered the grave. This is our hope. This is our power. This is our strength. And that's what Sunday's all about. That's why you can't miss. When we were away on vacation, we went to church. We didn't miss. We didn't say, oh, well, we're on vacation now. I'm not going to church. We even went on Wednesday. Because the church there was having services on Wednesday. We wanted to be with God's people on the Lord's Day. A celebration of the hope that we have through Jesus Christ who rose from the dead. When you come to church on Sunday, folks, you're not just going through a religious ritual. When Gloria and I used to go to the Greek Orthodox Church when we were in Greece as missionaries, one of the things that amazed me is that while the priest is up there, you know, doing his thing and sprinkling everybody and the incense and carrying the Bible around and on and on, people are standing around talking and gossiping and talking about what happened this past week. Nobody's paying any attention to anything the priest is doing. And I asked my friend Andy why that is. And he said, well, first of all, the service is going on in an ancient version of Greek. It's the Byzantine Greek. So a lot of people don't understand. It'd be like me speaking in King James English all the time, the 16th century, 15th century English. You would catch only bits and pieces. And so people just sit there and visit and chit-chat. No one's paying attention. Nobody's thinking about the importance of the, of the you know, the reality of what's happening in that service. What's going on? They're in church. Why? Because it's the ritual. They have to go to church in order to go to heaven. Folks, listen. That is so far from the Christianity that God calls us to. You're here today not because God's twisting your arm up behind your back and threatening, if you don't go to church, you're going to hell, sucker. No, you're here because you love God. And that is what this faith is about. It's about a love relationship with God. This morning, Gloria made me breakfast before coming to church. An English breakfast. Well, part of an English breakfast. An English breakfast is eggs, beans, fried tomatoes, blood pudding. Mmm. I didn't eat it. <laughs> Thankfully, Gloria just made the beans and the eggs. That was good. No, I didn't twist her arm and say, get down there, woman, and make me breakfast. (laughs) She said to me, can I make you breakfast? I said, oh, sure, that'd be great. Why did she do it? Because she loves me. She loves me. And when she brought it to me, I said, this isn't good enough. No, I didn't say that. (laughs) What did I say? Thanks, honey. I gave her a kiss. I, th- I gave you a kiss right there. I think I did. I hope I did. I'll do it later. <laughs> Understand, folks, that God has called us into a relationship with him. It's a love relationship where we love him and he loves us. You're here not because you're just fulfilling some religious ritual or rule or law. You're here because you love Jesus. Because every time you come to church, you're meeting with God's family. You're meeting with other people who also have experienced what you've experienced. I look out across this 
congregation this morning, and I see people from all kinds of different backgrounds, different, ex- different experiences in life, and I look out and I think to myself, I love all of you. And I know you love me because of Jesus. Because of the common hope that we have. Now, I know some of you here today are overwhelmed because of your guilt and your shame and your sin. Every Sunday when you come to church, you're reminded, or you should be reminded, that Jesus Christ is greater than your sin. And he can wash you and make you clean. He will forgive you. You don't have to carry that burden around with you anymore. Some of you are haunted by your past, and I'm here today to tell you that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and he sets you free from your sin and from your past. You're a brand new creation. And every day starts with a brand new slate. You're clean. You're free. And I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care what you did last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago. The power of Jesus Christ is sufficient to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, of all sin, and make us 100% clean and pure. That's what Sunday's about. It's about celebrating who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Let me just close by saying this. Some of you know also that I was at a pastor's conference. And... We a fantastic conference. In the evenings, we have these, these discussions so the pastors can exchange ideas and discuss things. And one of the young pastors asked this question. Is it possible to be a Christian or to follow Jesus and not go to church? And so there was some, you know, some insipid kind of discussion that happened there for a few minutes. And suddenly, an old retired pastor stood up. And he said, gentlemen, this is the stupidest thing I ever heard. Stuart Olliott's his name. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant English, English mind. And he said, do you understand that it's only, it's only been in the last hundred years or so that anybody has even been able to read, their, read a Bible? It's maybe the last hundred, 150 years. Before then, nobody could even read. Nobody, could, nobody had a Bible. Nobody could afford one. He said, people had to go to church because it was in church that they heard the truth. It was in church that they had the experience of fellowshipping and connecting with other believers. It was in church that they had the opportunity to experience and to live out their faith. So he says, short answer, you got to go to church every Sunday if you're going to follow Jesus Christ. Because if you are not following Jesus Christ by going to church every week, then your faith is not being pumped up. Your faith is not being encouraged. Your faith is not being refreshed. It's why we read in the, Hebrew, in the book of Hebrews, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing, but meet together every week. And all the more as you see the day coming when Jesus is going to return. Folks, the second habit, go to church weekly. It's the simplest, it's the easiest way to experience an ex- a walk with God, an experience with God. All you gotta do is show up 
and experience what God has for you. And I'm going to tell you this. God always has something for his people. God always has something for his people. There's always a word for you when you come to your church. My job as your pastor every Sunday is to speak prophetically. And by prophetically, I mean this. I'm not saying I'm speaking words that are going to be added to the scripture or on a par with scripture. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. My job is to tell you what God wants me to tell you. God has a message for you in your church. You're not going to get it on TV. You're not going to get it anywhere else. But you are going to get it in your church. Why? Because this is your family. That's what this church is about. It's a family. It's a place where God will meet with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us this day, the Lord's Day. And if some of us have grown weary of it and thought maybe it wasn't important or that they could miss it, God, I pray today that you would gently and kindly remind us that we need to be together in the house of God to celebrate that you have risen from the dead and that we have hope that we are more than overcomers through Christ. God, the, the, the awareness, the assurance that we have hope tells us, God, that we are, we're going to overcome whatever it is that we're going through. We're, we're going we're gonna to make it. We're going to be okay. And it's because of you, Lord. And that's what Sunday reminds us of. So, Father, we pray as we go from this place, may we go from here with a brand new love of your church, a brand new love of Cross Church, a brand new love for the meeting together of God's people. And now, Father, we just want to thank you. You are our Savior. You saved us and you set us free from our sin. It's an old theme, but it's the most thrilling theme of all. So we say thank you, Jesus. And everyone said it with me. Amen. Amen.